Well, let me add my word of welcome to all of you who are here today. It's a joy to see uh, each of you and your smiling faces out here today. I don't know about you, but when I woke up this morning, and I always on the Lord's Day kind of take a few moments to give some stock of where I am in life right now, you know, I looked and I had one of these honest conversations with myself. You, you, You know what I'm talking about? I said to myself, self, you've heard that before, haven't you? Sometimes you need to have a good talk with yourself once in a while. And as I thought, I said to myself, there's a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. I mean, children, grandchildren, and many other things. So when I sat down this morning, I said, as I looked up to the Lord, God, I need a word from you today for my life. Can you you say that? Did you say that to yourself today? God, I need a word from you today. And I believe he does. So I ask you to take your Bibles this morning for our sermon text and turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. We will be looking at verses 6 to 10 of this powerful text for our our instruction in the Lord today. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10. And if you're able, in honor of the Word of God, would you please stand? Colossians 2, beginning at verse 6, this is the Word of God. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding. In thanksgiving, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And then the focus of our study this morning is verses 9 and 10. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. May God, the Holy Spirit, the author of this word, give us understanding in its truth and application to our lives Let's bow before the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to be our teacher this morning. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and might to exalt and to give strength to all. We bow in your presence this morning and ask, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be the master teacher of this text to our lives. And that blessed Holy Spirit, you, by your gracious illumination, You would open our minds to see the truth that is contained here so that we would leave here changed 
so that you, God the Father, may receive the honor and the praise and the glory. Speak to our hearts this morning, we pray. And yes, O oh Lord, for the one who speaks, would you kindly hear his prayers for the forgiveness of his sins, for he knows that they are many. Because in this time, we want to see and understand in a deeper way the fullness of you, Lord Jesus Christ, and what that means in our lives today. We ask this for your honor and glory in your precious name, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said. Please be seated. It is a question that is often asked still today, but particularly in the climate in which we live today, it is a question that is often not only discussed but even debated fiercely among people, both believers and unbelievers. And that question is this, and it's found in the study outline that should be in your bulletin today. I would encourage you to pull that out and follow along with me. Is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ increasing in influence or decreasing in influence? People talk about this repeatedly, especially as you look around and see the world in which we live. So let's, let's just have a little show of hands here. I would like to gauge how you think about that. Those of you who think that in our culture today, what you have seen in your experience, do you believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is increasing in influence? Raise your hand. Okay. Thank you. Those of you who think the opposite, that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in our culture today is decreasing in influence. Please raise your hand. Wow, a much larger number of people chose the latter. And my question to you is why? This text that is before us this morning in Colossians 2 verses 9 to 10 addresses that issue. You see, the truth of the matter is in some of my journeys, some of your journeys, those journeys have taken us into communities throughout our country. And in some of those communities in our country, there are churches that are vibrant. They are seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They are growing spiritually. And then likewise, in other communities throughout our great land. There are churches that are declining and even closing up. You know, several weeks ago, my wife and I, once in a while, we would sit down and watch some television, and there's this diners program. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. There's this diners program. And it struck me that where this particular, it was somewhere in the Midwest, I don't remember where, but it was a church building 
that was actually listed on the National Historic Register of Historic Places. A church, I think early 1800s, if memory serves me right, and yet it's not used for worship anymore. It's used as a pizza parlor. When I saw that, my heart was grieved. Why? Why in that particular community, a church was vibrant at one time, but now it is no more? Now, I want to ask you and make it personal. In this particular congregation, is this congregation's worship, witness, and work to this community out here? Is it increasing influence or decreasing in influence? The text here this morning for us in Colossians 2, 9 and 10 gives us the answer. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a journey through two verses here, verses 9 and 10, and as we journey along and gather some truths in this text, it will help us and enable us to answer this question more clearly. So our first stop, the, the first component of truth that we need to glean and, and gather in our bag to make this kind of assessment for us is verse 9. Verse 9 says, all the fullness of the deity, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells or lives in bodily form. What an incredible statement. I would submit to you that this text in verse 9 is one of the great statements about the nature, the character, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, truly one of the top 10 statements in all the New Testament about him. And when you understand the setting that it was set in context where these fledgling Colossian Christians in the first century were being challenged, they were being pressured by false teachers. Most scholars today believe those false teachers were the third sect of the Jews. You know, there's the Pharisees, one, the Sadducees, two. There's a third sect of Jews called the Essenes. You know them as the keepers of the Dead Sea Scrolls who lived in the Qumran community. And it was these Essenes, some of which had, had come to Colossae, and they were pressuring these Jewish Christians who were believers, who were attempting to grow by grace through faith, and yet they kept saying to them, for you, Jesus isn't enough. You got to have all of these other things, and if you will continue Later today, reading through chapter 2 in this Colossian letter, you'll see some of the things, asceticism, rituals, ceremonies, washings of hands, the, the worship of angels, these and many, many more. The Essenes would say, well, Jesus is okay, but you need all these other things. Paul wants to say to these Colossian Christians who are being pressured in Christ, is all you need. He is not only sufficient, he is more than what you need. 
Because in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now look at those, if you have your notes there, just again, just glance at these. You can look at these and study these more fully. Look at the truths that are contained in here. In Christ, all the fullness. There was nothing lacking in Christ that would make him anything less than fully God. When Jesus walked upon this earth as the God-man, he was not a watered-down version of God. This is what I like to tell my students in the past. I I love to look at my students and say, when you look at Jesus, you don't have to upgrade to 2.0. He is who he is. He is all the fullness. And secondly, he's the fullness of the deity. His substance is the same as that of the Father's and of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to his eternal makeup, he is not composed of anything different from the other two members of the Blessed Trinity. Thirdly, all this fullness of the deity bodily is housed in Christ. And here is the wonder and the beauty of the incarnation. The Word, the eternal Word of God, as John's Gospel says, chapter 1, the eternal Word of God becoming flesh. In the most real, tangible way, God's essence and God's glory was completely housed and expressed, fully realized, fully exhibited, intricately displayed and shown. As a result, when we placed our eyes upon Jesus, we could say like John does in his first letter, chapter one, that what is what we have seen, what our our eyes have looked at what our hands have touched. This is the word of light, the word of truth. John also says in his gospel, chapter 1, that this, this word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Paul says it this way earlier in the Colossian letter in chapter 1. He says, verse 19, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 1 begins his letter this way. He says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers in the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That is who Jesus Christ is, the eternal word of God, bodily becoming flesh for you and for me. And then if that wasn't enough, the fourth truth in this verse 9 is that this eternal word becoming flesh is continuously dwelling. That word dwell there is in the present tense, which means in an ongoing way, right here, right now even, Jesus is continuously God. 
everything that's eternally God is in an ongoing way dwelling in the person of the Lord Jesus. All that it means to be God is completely housed in Christ right now. You and I can have the joy and the comfort of knowing that right here, right now, at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, Jesus Christ, God the Son, the eternal Word that became flesh, is still the God-man, and He is still our great high priest continuously empathizing and sympathizing with our weaknesses and our faults, and He is right now in this moment, He is praying over you, and He is praying over me. Can I get an amen out of that? Look at the wonder of Colossians 2.9. All the fullness of the deity dwells bodily in Christ. Now that alone would be more than a sufficient response to these false teachers, these Essenes that were trying to persuade these Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, for that matter, to go away from Christ. Paul says, in Christ, He is all that you need. All the fullness of the deity dwells bodily in Him. But the beauty of it is, is there is another truth in this text, verse 10. Equally as powerful, equally as, as incredible and wonderful as it is, and we need to have this second truth collected and placed in our bag to understand this first question that I asked at the beginning. This second great truth is, verse 10, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Wow. The word order, when you look at this verse in the original language, the word order is compelling. The word order, it basically says this, and in him you were made full. That verb made full is in the perfect. And the perfect tense in the original always denotes completeness. Which means that all of the fullness of the deity that is dwelled bodily in Christ when he walked upon the earth, when he suffered, when he died, when he rose again, he ascended into heaven. All the fullness of the deity not only remains with Christ, but that same fullness, wonder of wonders, that same fullness of Jesus Christ has been given to us. And you have been given fullness in him. Wow. Immediately, think of what this means. On the surface, as I just ponder it for a moment, it, it brings to mind in, in my thoughts that, that imagery of the vine and the branches in John chapter 15. When the Lord Jesus says, 
I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Initially, it brings to mind that as we are united with him and our union with Christ, that this growth process, this sanctification process, God is giving us more and more of himself and we grow to be more like Christ in our life. You are being made full in him, complete. It's a wonderful truth. But folks, that's not the teaching of this passage. It's not. Oh, yes, it's found in other places of Scripture. But it's not in this passage. And the reason why is so often... As Western Christians, when we look at a text like this, remember, Colossians is set in a Middle Eastern context, a Middle Eastern mindset. We as Western Christians, we tend to look at things in terms of what we can get from it individually, what we can glean from this for ourselves. And so many times when Christians, especially in the West, look at Colossians 2 verse 10, they look at the you in verse 10 as singular. But it's not found in the singular. So if it's not found in the singular, say it with me, it's found in the plural. Think of what this means. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells, tabernacles, abides in him bodily. And you, the church, have been given fullness in him. May I, uh, now I got half South Carolina blood in me by birth and half Virginia blood in me. I'm a southerner deep down. Lived most of my life in the South, although I did live, live a few years up with the Yankees, but I'm back here now, and I'm planning to stay. And one thing we learned in the South growing up is that when you want to say you, you don't say you, you say? And if it's a plural you, we don't say all, we say? Oh, come on now. We say all y'all. Come on, man, didn't, didn't, didn't your grandmother and mother serve you grits and cornbread and collard greens, huh? I was always taught if it's a, if it's a plural you, it's all y'all. So this is what Paul is saying in Lexington, South Carolina language. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and all y'all, the church, have received in complete fullness. Remember the perfect tense, completeness. You have received complete fullness in him. Wow! The church! Of the Lord Jesus Christ not only has entrusted to it the word of God, 
Not only does the church of the Lord Jesus Christ have the blessed Holy Spirit, who Paul says in Ephesians 1 is a deposit that's been given to us, guaranteeing what is to come. But now, we learn from the Apostle Paul that the church has received the living, pulsating, complete fullness of Jesus Christ. Think of every, what we would call the communicable attributes, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, truth, mercy, grace, and you can go on. All of those things in its fullness have been given to you, the church. Wow. Hello, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Think of what this means. Which brings us now back to that original question that I asked you at the beginning. Is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in our American culture increasing in influence or decreasing in influence? In some of my travels, and yours too, as you've gone across this country, and I've lived in a number of places, some of here in this room have also done that, you will begin to notice that in some communities, the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ is pulsating through that congregation. They are seeing the fullness of Jesus Christ reach sinners. And God's grace, by the power of the Spirit, comes and changes them. They are seeing new believers mature and grow in Christ. They are seeing their witness make an influence into their community. In other communities, as has already been mentioned, those churches have turned into a pizza parlor. That witness is gone. Why? For some reason, the pulsating fullness of Jesus Christ was not shining. Which leads us to address the issue is, if the fullness of Jesus Christ has been given, and this text says in the perfect tense, it's complete. In other words, right here, right now, in this congregation, as you are assembled here, the fullness of Jesus Christ is present. You don't have to have a 24-hour prayer meeting to call down the fullness of Jesus Christ here in your midst. It's already here. So, if it's already here, the question is, is it shining? Is it shining in a way that people see faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of them being love? Is it shining so that people see the truth of God in a completely wacky, crazy, upside-down world that we're living in right now? If it is, the pulsating fullness of Jesus Christ will be seen and felt not only in the church, but out there in the world as a gospel influence to the world and as a gospel influence here. But if it's not, <clears throat> then here is the truth. If it's not 
seen and felt, then something or someone, singular, plural, is blocking it. Now, as you look at your own life and as a congregation, you look at your life together, is the presence of Jesus Christ shining? Is his fullness shining? If it is, let that light shine. Children, and I've got six grandchildren from fifth grade down to two and a half months. And Beth and I have already gotten a couple of those grandchildren this little book. You know, what it, you know it very well. It goes by the song, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let... Some of you are lip-syncing with me. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Keep on letting it shine. But for some, they don't sense the fullness of Christ. Now, I don't know. I've only been here a few days. So I, I don't know if, the, if the, I can sense in many instances that the, that the fullness of Christ is shining, but Perhaps it's not shining in certain sectors of this congregation. I don't know. I've only been here a few days, but here's what I know. I told you before that this is my seventh interim pastorate. I'm in my 38th year of doing this. This is not my first rodeo. And here's what I've learned from personal observation and experience through the years. There can be any number of things that is blocking the fullness of Christ from coming and from pulsating and shining, touching and changing lives and hearts, building up one another in love and in truth. There are three blocks. You could add probably 10 more to what I'm going to give you. From just my observation over many, many years in many different places, here's what I see. Blocker number one, wounds. Wounds that come from three different places, at least, maybe more. Wounds that come to you, you are afflicted by them. Secondly, wounds that you inflict upon other people by what you say and do. And then there are some of those wounds where you just beat yourself up. They're self-inflicted, and you beat yourself up. How many of you have ever said this to yourself? How can I have been so stupid? How could I have done and said such a thing? Hello, am I talking to anybody? These wounds are deep, and sometimes they, cause, they, they do not cause the fullness of Christ to shine. Blocker number two, addictions. I'm sure if we started a roll of paper right at the front here, and people started writing all the addictions that are out there in the world today, those chronic disorders where people are depending on things for for satisfaction, gratification, fulfillment, and yet they have to keep going back to it over and over again for for fulfillment in their life. If we started a roll of paper up here in the front and started writing on it, the roll of paper would roll out into the parking lot. There's too many of them. But those addictions, whatever they may be, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever, they block the fullness of Christ. 
Blocker number three are idols. Idols, anything that we put as a devotion above God. Money. Jesus talked a lot about the idol of money. You can't serve God and mammon. Fame, recognition, power, control. I mean, there's too many of them to even name, but they're idols. So let's bring this thing down to a landing now. We've seen that all the fullness of Christ, all the fullness of God dwells bodily in Christ, and you, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, have been given full completeness in Him. And if there's something blocking the fullness of Christ from shining in the world, identify those blockers. Because the fullness of Jesus Christ stands here, right here, right now. And this is where I want to end. I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. This is where we'll end this morning. Revelation chapter 3. At the end of the letter to the church at Laodicea, there is a wonderful verse. Unfortunately, this particular verse has been misused and mis misapplied, it's been often used in evangelistic crusades and in witnessing to unbelievers, and I suppose that God has used it, but the context in which it was originally given was to the church. The church of Laodicea that was neither hot nor cold because they were lukewarm, Jesus says, I'm about ready to spit you out of my mouth. So to a lukewarm group of Christians. At Laodicea, who were not experiencing the pulsating fullness of Christ shining from within them out to the world because there were too many things blocking them, Revelation 3 verse 20 applies to them as it applies to us today. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, Jesus says, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So Lexington Presbyterian Church, today, you have, right now, you don't have to ask for it, you already have it, the fullness of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ right now is standing at the door And he's knocking upon your hearts, plural. In all your brokenness, in all your addiction, in all your wounds, in all your hurts, in all your idols, what is going to be the key that unlocks that door and lets the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ come in? Fullness that will heal you of your wounds Fullness that will drive out the addictions that so paralyze you. Fullness that will conquer and defeat the idols that are in your life today. What will be the key that will unlock that door so that the fullness of Jesus Christ will tidal wave over your life? 
It is the key of surrender. Say that word with me. Surrender. And when you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, he sets the perfect example for us. And I have that in your notes there. Jesus sets the example of surrender for us, that we are to walk in his steps. First of all, and there are three ways, three, three kinds of surrender that are part of this package. Looking at Jesus' example, first of all, Jesus surrendered himself to God. John 5, I have come to do the will of him who sent me, not my own will. I've come to do his will. He surrendered to God. Secondly, Jesus surrendered to himself. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but what? Yours be done. You see, sometimes the hardest person to lead, here's experience, sometimes the hardest person to lead is yourself. Hello, am I talking to anybody? Sometimes the hardest person, sometimes you literally have to say to yourself, self, would you get out of the way? Would you surrender your choices, your preferences, your will, your power, your control? Surrender it all. Like the Lord Jesus did. Who in Hebrews 12, it says, who for the joy that was set before him, before Jesus was a path that he could take. He could take it for himself, but instead he chose the path that was before him to endure the cross, despising its shame and sitting down at the right. Now he sits down at the right hand of the Father, having accomplished that because he surrendered not only to God, not only to himself, but thirdly, he surrendered to others. Don't think for the first minute that when Jesus stood before Pilate, he could have called upon the legion of angels to come and literally wipe out Pilate, wipe out the Roman government. He could have done that, but he didn't. He willingly surrendered to Pilate, to the Romans, to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. When they hurled insults at him, they mocked him and flogged him, he didn't retaliate. He surrendered himself to them. And that's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. I have it there in your notes. Take a look at that this afternoon and see how Christ surrendered to others. When you take that key of surrender... Surrender to God. Surrender to yourself. Surrender to others. That is the key that unlocks the door. So my friends, we've seen this morning that all the fullness of the deity dwells bodily in Christ. You, the church, have been given this fullness. Is it shining? Or is something blocking it? If something is blocking it, the key to surrender will open the door and let Christ come in. So the big takeaway today is because all the fullness of the deity dwells bodily in Christ, he 
has given all of this fullness to the church. The church is the living embodiment of the fullness of Jesus Christ so that we have everything that we need from him. Not only for each other, but also his fullness to declare to the world out there. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you, all y'all, the church, have been given fullness in him. That's the message of Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10. Think about it. Let's bow in prayer. God, our Heavenly Father, what an incredible truth is laid before us this morning. All the fullness of Christ, of the, of, of, of the Godhead itself, all the fullness of God dwells bodily in Christ. Would you so impress upon us that all of that fullness has been given to us, the church? But for some, that fullness is being blocked. Maybe through wounds, maybe through addictions, maybe through idols, maybe something else. We need your fullness. We need the key of surrender to surrender our lives to you, O oh God. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, no one looking around, now is your opportunity to look to the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to myself. I'm surrendering to others. I want the fullness of the Lord Jesus. I want your fullness, Lord Jesus Christ, to shine through me, to cleanse me, to heal me of my wounds, to deliver me from my addictions, to give me the victory over the idols that plague my life. Would you hear my prayers, O oh God? Cleanse me, strengthen me, heal me, forgive me, empower me to be the people you, the person and the people that you have called me and us to be. Hear our prayers, O oh God. And may we leave here empowered by your Spirit to live a surrendered life to you. As we ask in your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen.